This is Meade. Well, not exactly. This is one of Meade's countless good friends. The creator of this podcast used the moniker Meade E.O. Wright in the hopes that his message would not be obscured by the speaker. In his case, Dave Giesling. He wanted to focus on the message, not the speaker. His message was one of pragmatic positivity. This episode begins, I guess, season two of this podcast. But putting a number on it is too much for any of us right now. So let's just call this season next. Let's just see what happens next. Dave Giesling passed away suddenly last week on November 11th, 2020. And a few of us thought it would be important to bring up his past, his group of friends, and just how he impacted the people around him. Dave, or Meade as you may have come to know him, was a big collector of meteorites. For this podcast, we want to honor his goal to focus on the message of pragmatic positivity, not the people. It's not about any of us or about our egos. It's how we are toward each other. So to that end, we're going to keep the name Mead E.O. Wright, but have multiple podcast participants, hosts, and guest speakers who will carry on with the goal that Dave wanted, all talking with one voice as Mead. Now, we all know no one can replace Dave or Mead. He was one of a kind, the kind of guy who would light up a room, take command, and make everyone around him feel like a queen or a king of the world. Today, though, we are all Mead. So here we go. This is Mead. Last Friday, November 13th, 2020. What a year for all of us, right? I was quietly celebrating the announcement that my corporate proposal team had just won another large, multi-billion dollar bid. A project we had worked on for months with long hours, early days, and late nights. I had just enjoyed a celebratory Microsoft Teams call across multiple time zones with my colleagues at noon, a happy hour at 5 p.m. London time, where much of my team was based. It was turning out to be a very good day. I had been the author of several sections at about 30 of our team of engineers, financial analysts, managers, writers, and designers. We're so glad to have this brief opportunity to laugh and smile and share pints of Guinness from our respective locations, and especially to see each other's faces in the middle of this pandemic. Later that day, I sipped a glass of wine alone in a quiet corner, toasting my virtual team when I got a Facebook alert from Barry Giesling. Barry had posted a meme on Facebook about grief, and it went straight to my heart. It was written by Jamie Anderson, the young, modern Doctor Who novelist and the son of legendary British TV and film producer, Jerry Anderson. It read, Grief, I've learned, is really just love. It's all the love you want to give, but cannot. All of that unspent love gathers in the corner of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in the hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. I left a one-word comment. Oof, I wrote. Barry replied quickly. Are you still in the United States, he asked, knowing I was headed soon for Saudi Arabia. Let me know if Dave asked you about helping him write the book he wanted to write. 
I know nothing, I replied, although I had just met Barry's son, Dave Giesling, also 53 like me, just two weeks earlier up in Marietta, Georgia, on my way back from seeing my daughter up in Knoxville. Dave and I did discuss memoirs and writing in a three-hour conversation we had at his corporate headquarters just outside of Atlanta. He did not mention a book title, not yet. We did talk at length, though, about story structure and vignetting scenes and our podcasts and reminisced about how we had met two years earlier at Talking Rock near LJ, Georgia. That day, about two years ago, I was headed down from Knoxville to a hotel in Atlanta for a weekend getaway to process a great deal of overwhelming grief. That particular Friday, I had taken back roads down US 411, a beautiful drive through some of the more remote parts of North Georgia. Now headed back to Knoxville on Sunday morning, I looked again at those routes on my phone. I panned across the map and zoomed in a little. I saw this place, this town, I guess, and the town's name spoke to me and I knew I had to go there. After some breakfast, I gassed the car up and hit the road and headed for Talking Rock, a town of about six or eight buildings located in Pickens County in North Georgia. Population about 40. It was Sunday, and while very quiet, the antique shops were open and cordial. An old train car rested on a short stub of railroad track with the faded name of the town emblazoned on its side, Talking Rock. I zeroed in on an old vacant Depression-era hotel. It was for sale. It wasn't fancy. I walked around the building imagining what this place could be. Not just a bed and breakfast, but perhaps a film production center, an Airbnb, maybe a recording studio, a place to gather and tell stories. I walked around and I took a few pictures with my phone, including a shot of the real estate sign so that I could call the realtor later. I circled again and then crossed the street to take some pictures of the old train car. I turned and started to walk back around to the front as a white four-door Jeep suddenly stopped in front of the building. There were two guys in it, and they were staring at me. Maybe they were realtors, or maybe just looking at the sign, as I had been. I wasn't really sure. As I walked across the street, still maybe 25 yards from their vehicle, the man in the driver's seat rolled down his window and looked at me quizzically. What's going on? Is everything okay? Such an odd question. Did I really look that bad? That frantic or manic? What the hell? I kind of smiled and shrugged and circled the car. The older man on the passenger side rolled down his window, smiling warmly. Well, I said, it's been a tough year, and I just went down to Atlanta for the weekend to try and clear my head. We're from Marietta, just up here looking at property. And within minutes, out it flowed. I broke down and described my now broken marriage and how much I had been through and just how tough the divorce had been on me, my ex-wife, and my daughter, and how much I was grieving. I described how angry I was because I couldn't often express how I felt because of how much my 19-year-old daughter needed me and also because of my ex and her own fragility. I struggled for the words, recognizing how unhealthy it is to internalize so much and feeling bad at my own weakness. But my 24-year marriage was over quite painfully and I was not in a good state of mind. Yes, I was grieving, but I was grieving about more than just the marriage. My mentally ill, abusive father had just passed away the winter before, as had another dear friend and co-author of mine. I left out the part about the gun I had brought with me on the trip, my father's 9mm Glock that I had just cleaned and oiled. But as I described the situation about my divorce, the older man started laughing. I'm Doug. Nice to meet you, I added, trying to cut his laugh. Barry, the older man said, nodding at the driver. My son, Dave. 
That would be Mead, y'all. I looked at this laughing man so strangely. Dave started grinning, too. What's so funny, guys? Barry then proceeded to describe what a painful divorce Dave had been going through for years. Dave explained in much greater detail his story about how he and his ex's first husband, a man he once disliked and disliked him, had joined forces and were now co-parenting their kids and stepkids together. We talked for maybe 15 minutes and shared much of our pain and our grief. It was funny. It was raw, shared tragedy. It got funnier, and I broke into a weak smile of my own. And then Dave stared at me again, hard. That's not all, is it? No, I said, it's not. I guess it started in January. We had gotten a cabin in the Smokies. About 3 a.m., my son crawls into bed between me and his mom and whispers into my ear that he thought he might be trans. We got up quietly, went downstairs, and sat in front of the fire. I held his hand and hugged him until morning and told him that everything was going to be okay. And as I told Barry and Dave about my son, Barry started laughing again, hilariously. What the actual hell? I am telling these two random strangers in the hills of North Georgia about my trans kid, not knowing if somebody's going to beat the hell out of me or worse. Dave quickly interrupts Barry's laughter, sharing that he's just gone through the same thing with his stepson, now stepdaughter. How does synchronicity occur? We realized we had so much more to talk about and grabbed our phones to look for a place where we could eat and talk. Talking Rock is indeed a strange place. Despite the small downtown area, there's some summer homes and cabins and year-round places dotted throughout the rather large rural area, but commercial establishments are few and far between, and we ended up at a cafe that literally serves no food. Barry winked. Not a bad place for stories, eh? So what about your kid? For over three hours, Barry, Dave, and I shared our stories and talked about how proud we were of our children and how much we loved them. So much of the pain of the past year, ending my marriage, the death of my abusive father, losing a son and yet gaining a daughter, and the natural grief that becomes part of our process of acceptance and of love and of kindness. These were the things that poured from me. It felt like one of those hard summer rains that washed the soil away from hardy tomato plants, the fruits still ripening in the sun, but the roots now exposed. It felt so refreshing in the late afternoon Georgia sun. And as Barry, Dave, and I parted ways and I finished the drive back to Knoxville, I knew that the universe had spoken to me at Talking Rock. I knew that God was there. And I knew that my belief in magic and luck and love was slowly being restored. Back at my quiet corner pub just this last Friday, November 13th, my phone buzzed. It was Barry. You don't know, do you? Know what, Barry? I want to know you're okay, Doug. My son's gone. Dave's dead. Now just stay with me here, okay? It's going to be okay. I think Barry was more worried about my mental health in that moment, but I reassured him that I was going to be okay, if for no one else but his son, Dave. Dave was a man of extraordinary talent, his friend Brian Caress would write in a Facebook tribute. He was an accomplished public speaker, educator, and an expert marksman. Personal fitness was a priority, and he was an accomplished author of numerous publications and books. 
Dave was a lover of all things related to space, and collecting meteorites was his passion. His collection, Falling Rocks, is one of the largest and most impressive collections in private hands. Dave was an inspirational leader, mentor to many, and loved by all. Dave met his life partner, Kasha, at a coffee shop, and they shared six-plus years of happiness together. Raising a blended family, they enjoyed sharing precious moments and adventures together with family and friends. Family was most important to Dave, and he considered his friends to be a part of his family. He was an incredible father, son, brother, uncle, partner, and friend. He was a father figure to many, and he will be deeply missed. His life, influence, and legacy will forever remain in the lives of all who knew him, and we will all cherish his memories as we gaze to the heavens. Such a lovely tribute. Dave also helped me remember how to gaze toward the heavens. He had shared his own version of our Talking Rock story with his entire team, something I was reminded of by several of his friends when I visited him at the office a few weeks back. I had helped him develop his podcast, Mead EO Wright, earlier this year, a podcast dedicated to pragmatic positivity. There's a link on this podcast to Dave's final, titled Eraser, in the description. In this episode, the question Dave asks of this teacher who was having a really bad day, who had thrown an eraser at his class, is exactly what Dave asked me at Talking Rock. What's going on? Is everything okay? Never forget to ask those in your life such a remarkably simple question. Dave did this for countless people in his life, including me. Dave would close each of his podcast episodes with the following, which I'm going to share with you now. I'm big on gratitude, so thank you for listening, he would say. I'm big on latitude, so never stop contemplating, prognosticating, learning, and growing. I'm big on attitude, so maintain a pragmatically positive perspective, and today is a great day to be alive. Seize it. Will do, sir. Thanks. Please use the contact form to submit requests for submitting podcast ideas, your memories of Dave, and how much his pragmatic positivity and yours has and can change the world. One of Dave's final wishes was that his ashes be spread around the world in quite a few spots where he had helped discover some remarkable meteorites. He also wants a few ashes set up on a future SpaceX mission. He has so many friends all over the world. We'll make it happen, brother. Godspeed, Meteorite. Today, we are all Mead. Not-so-random thoughts from a grateful mind and soul. Hopefully with a dose of pragmatically positive perspective and prognostication that may or may not be of use somewhere else in the universe. I'm big on gratitude, so thank you for listening. I'm big on latitude, so never stop contemplating prognosticating, learning, and growing. I'm big on attitude, so maintain a pragmatically positive perspective, and today is a great day to be alive. Seize it. (laughs) 